Responsible investing and ESG engagement is a thing now and set to become more so as regulators and policymakers introduce a fairly rapidly developing suite of rules, guidance and codes of conduct on how schemes and asset managers should meet their responsibilities. There are also still many live debates around the broader question of member engagement with retirement savings more generally. In this episode, Caroline Hopper of the fantastic consultancy The Quiet Room gives her perspective on how ESG investing can resonate with pension members. And I did, uh, I did test myself this morning. I had to go to a meeting in town with Chimelo. You know Chimelo? Yeah, yeah, right. big so, anyway, I'm doing some work with them. And so I had to go to a meeting down in their office. And so I did, I actually did a COVID test, which just felt like a bit retro all of a sudden. I thought we'd have yeah. go away from that. And I thought, look, it'd be a, I'm not feeling great. So I'll do, do myself a COVID test before I go out into town for this meeting. So I did that and it turned out I don't have COVID, but I've probably given her a cold instead. So it's just oh. like, it's still a bit rubbish, but it was kind of nice just to go out and have a meeting with someone. Yeah. Was that Georgia then? It wasn't Georgia this yeah. time. It was a oh. lovely person called Rosie who, who I've been working with on some of the data stuff. So Georgia's amazing. She's just like a, a very motivated person doing a lot of stuff very quickly. Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. She's actually, I can't remember if I said this last time, She's she was at, we were at the same, she was at my college, but two years below me at uni. We never actually crossed paths. We only met, at, met through Met Money Matter. But then, of course, I LinkedIn stalked her and I was like, oh my gosh. She so was, she was two years behind you. Right. Yeah. Caroline, you need, to, you need to get a wriggle on here. It's like she's running know, a company I know, I can't now. believe I've not founded a company. <laughs> I've not run a Boston marathon. Yeah. I'm not conquering New York right now. I think that's where she is. Yeah, yeah. The last I spoke to her last week and she was on a train in between Boston and New York. It's just like, Okay. You know, yeah, I know, right? So I first came across Quiet Room quite a few years ago, and I can't remember whether it was Vincent or, or Mark I met first, but I kind of got to know them probably at one of the NAPF or PLSA conferences. And, and I was just always really impressed with everything they did. Really interesting guys doing really interesting, creative, and thoughtful work around communications. And so I sort of stayed in touch with Mark a bit over the last few years. And I was really chuffed when, you know, he said, come, come and talk to Quiet Room. Come and talk to us about some stuff you've been looking at. So I was really pleased to do that. And I was just delighted to see you guys were working with Make My Money Matter, because I think that's a really interesting campaign. I'm really keen to talk a bit about that. Mm. But I'm interested to hear from you, Caroline. You know, you, you're clearly really interested in, in responsible investment and how it gets people interested in their pensions and and kind of the journey you went on that kind of brought you into kind of looking at responsible investing and your pension yourself so should we start there yeah sure so my my kind of awakening if you like (laughs) so I've I've been at quite about seven years um, and it was only really five years ago that I actually learned what my pension money was doing so I think I was reading, I was actually reading a DCIF report, that's the Defined Contribution Investment Forum. They'd done some research about what regular people do and how they feel when they find out that their pension money is invested. And I remember the research said something like, most people are shocked to find out that their money isn't necessarily invested responsibly. And I thought, oh, because I hadn't really thought much about my pension being invested at all. But I had assumed that if someone was investing it for me, of course, they'd be doing very good things with my money. And of course, they'd only be doing things that aligned with what I cared about and what I wanted my future to be. So then I immediately 
logged onto my pension account. So my top 10 holdings included a bunch of companies that I didn't necessarily want to be investing in. This was long before I'd heard all about, you know, shareholder engagement and everything. But my immediate thought was, oh gosh, this, you know, my money is invested and it's being put into various companies without me really feeling like I have a say in what it's doing. And I was really shocked about what we were investing in. I told the whole office, because this was, you know, pre-pandemic when everyone was in offices. And I said, did you guys know we're investing in X, Y, and Z? And, you know, maybe we should be investing in A, B, and C instead. So I had my kind of own awakening moment. And then I, I asked the, the rest of the quiet room team what they thought. And long story short, we all ended up actually um, changing our pension to our own kind of individual investments. And I've got a particularly sustainable one now that I was really chuffed with. And we all changed our investments and we all massively upped our contributions at the same time because we found out that our money could be doing really good stuff. So when people say to me, you know, oh, responsible investment doesn't really engage people or it's certainly not going to make them put any more money in, like we keep saying it will, I say, actually, it will use me and, you know, the rest of Quiet Room as a, as a real life case study that when you find out that your pension can be doing something powerful to build a better future at the same time as building your money, then um, it really does, really does change your behavior and make you make good decisions for your future. Caveat there though, that people will think, oh gosh, this sounds like a divestment story because, you know, she maybe changed where her, where her money was. And it is not that, <laughs> it's not a divestment story. It's more a, this is the power that pensions can have. It can really get people engaged. So am I allowed to ask you who the pension was with? Is it still with the same pension provider now? It's not anymore, no. Although I can I say who it is? I don't know. I can say that the, the master trust it was with has since done a lot more on responsible investing but, 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 and, and ESG. But, so, so you're all in the in the quiet room pension arrangement. So, who, are we allowed to ask who is the quiet room pension arrangement with now? Yeah, well, you can ask, but it's actually different for all of us. So, we did quite a niche thing, I think, which is that we all got to individually sit down with because we're a small company. We yeah. all got to sit down with a financial advisor who would say, you know, you know, the usual attitude to risk, etc., yeah. but also. What do you care about? What issues are you interested in? What do you want your money to be doing? How much does sustainability mean to you and any particular issues within that? And then that advisor went and found us all the kind of particular fund that would work for us. So now we all effectively have a kind of personal pension, but that Quiet Room still contributes into. And I guess that just is, that's fantastic if you've got an employer who is sufficiently flexible to accommodate. And like you say, you're a small business and that kind of works for small business. Once you get to 2,000 employees, it's quite administratively complicated if everybody's got their own pension yeah so as as the quiet room gets bigger and bigger and more successful they might come to regret that decision but i guess for now that works and i, I was also just really interested in the point you made about divestment and i was looking at i mean it's just randomly i was looking at some stuff that aviva investors had put out it was actually their financial reporting council stewardship code submission that they had made to, to sign up to the stewardship code. And it's just random that it happened to be the Aviva one I was looking at. And so there was some data in there about people uh, that surveyed. And there was quite, I'm just looking for the number. So 25% want their money invested in fossil fuel companies for the purpose of influencing the decisions they make in transitioning to low carbon companies. So I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was quite a high percentage as a starting base of people saying, not saying, oh, you must sell fossil fuel companies, but actually saying, no, I want you to invest in the fossil fuel companies to manage that transition. I thought that was really encouraging that you've already got a pretty, pretty substantial minority of people who get the fact that engagement can be more impactful, can be more impactful than, than divestment in some situations. Yeah, I mean, that to start with 25% is brilliant. I wonder what they'd 
heard or what they knew about engagement well and it's also interesting i'm just i mean i don't i don't have any background information so i'm just quoting the numbers that they put into the report and just before that stat i quoted you they also say over half 55 percent of those surveyed don't know where their pension is invested so and that's certainly unremarkable i think you know quite often you get higher numbers than that but people i mean quite a lot of people don't realize their money is is actually invested in companies at all it's just it goes into yeah. this abstract black box that people don't really think about i think it's really interesting when you walk through that process with them as saying well no this is how it works it goes to a fund manager and the fund manager buys shares in businesses like greg's or bp or tesla or whatever and 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 you own a slice of that company and then you share in the profits of that company and and then you know the fund manager gets to influence how the company is run so oh okay i get it now this is kind of interesting and I love it when, when you start joining the dots like that. I was really interested in your story as well because I'd looked at some research that Nest did a wee while ago. And I'm paraphrasing here, but they essentially were saying, look, it's not the ESG thing that gets people engaged in their pension in the first place. Typically, first you have to walk through that conversation with people saying, look, your money is invested in what goes in the stock market and this is how it works. And then you can talk to them about the ESG stuff. But you know, so I'm really interested to hear more about the work that you've done with Make My Money Matter, which I think is a really interesting business. I want to hear more about that. But how do how does that compare with your own experience of your own personal journey and also the work you've done with Make My Money Matter? Oh, loads of stuff there. So just really quickly coming back to the engagement point, I just wanted to say that so this whole story, the story you mapped out of like you're saving into your pension. That money that goes into your pace into your pension every month that leaves your payslip and goes into your pension is invested. And that that whole story that you walked through is a really important one to tell people and one that people do find interesting if you can find the time to get it across to them. And that the kind of as you get further through that journey and you tell people what they're investing in, you can then start to tell them that their money therefore has influence. And you know, you can you're invested in that, you know, you, you hold some shares in that and those shares have power and those power that power can, for instance, turn those fossil fuel companies around. There's more research that shows when you can get that whole story across to people, then a much higher percentage than 25% do want to stay invested and to engage with those companies to transition those heavy emitters or heavy polluters towards a, a kind of a much more sustainable future. So I'm really fascinated by what that whole story looks like and which parts of the story a lot of people know already or don't know. And as you say, most people don't really know that their pension money is actually invested. So for most people, we're kind of starting at the beginning of the story but when you can kind of gradually move people on that story you can that's the kind of route to getting them engaged but as an industry we just need to work out how to be able to tell that story in in a succinct and punchier way as possible and I guess that kind of brings me on to make my money matter because I think they're doing this really well they've been able to tap into this idea that we're all kind of accidental investors and that's actually this brilliant term that they kind of coined this idea that everyone who's saving into a pension, whether they know it or not, is investing. And that means everyone has this kind of this pension power that they're unaware of. So instead of thinking that their money is locked up in a vault in Switzerland, which actually some member research that we did once showed that people literally do, they happen to have their investments managed by Zurich. So they got a letter every year that said Zurich on the top right hand corner. And they from that assumed that their money was going to a vault in Switzerland, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, the industry had never filled in those gaps for them. So they'd made it tangible for themselves. But so the point is, yes, we're all kind of accidental investors without realising it. And Make Money Matter has been able to bring that to life in really vivid and fun and engaging ways and on platforms that the pensions industry would never normally use. So, you know, Make Money Matter is talking about pensions to people on Instagram. It's it's talking about 
environmental issues that people care about. It's talking about deforestation. Uh, so it's going to people on the channels and platforms where they actually spend their time. And it's talking to them about issues that they care about, like deforestation or like making the world a better place. And from there, it's then connecting it to pensions. And I think that's the real power that the campaign has in, in helping in going to people where they are and then helping them think about the, the power that their pension can have. Which all sounds fantastic. It also sounds potentially quite resource intensive. And one of the big challenges with investor engagement, member engagement has always been, yeah, but it's much easier if we just don't talk to them because then we can just drive down costs. And I'm really encouraged talking to the DWP, talking to the FCA, the pensions regulator. You know, it feels like they are moving on from just the lowest price at any cost. You know, it's just they understand that it shouldn't be a race to the bottom on charges and that there has to be room for good quality, good engagement, good investments in all senses of the word good. So I, th- I think that the agenda has definitely shifted there. We talk much more about value for money rather than simply low cost. But just staying with Make My Money Matter because they're really pioneering this kind of stuff. Is that all coming together in terms of the business proposition, the customer engagement, the, the competitiveness of the proposition? Does, does it all work? Do you mean, is the, is the campaign successful so far? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. However, however you choose to measure success, how's it looking? Yeah, sure. Well, so I, I should say, so Quirum has been a partner of Make Money Matter from the beginning. And I actually got to work on the campaign team back in 2020 when when we tried to launch it and didn't realise that a pandemic was about to come mm. and, you know, take over all the headlines that we'd be kind of fighting for. So I'm, I'm no longer... I'm, uh, now just an organization partner so I don't know the, the exact ins and outs but I but from so kind of from an outsider's perspective um, I can say that I think it's had huge success in raising awareness of pensions I mean I actually just looked at their latest stats and you know they've reached 19 million people they've got 70 different businesses signed up who have pledged to well green their pension if they can or to kind of at least kind of lobby their their pension provider and say they want better they've got about 40 million pensions covered in terms of whether it's individuals who have contacted their pension provider saying they want a net zero pension for instance or whether it's an organization who's signed up or whether it's some of the government work they're looking into as well they've basically covered a huge amount of the UK pensions industry and reached a huge number of people so in terms of getting pensions, you know, making making a conversation around pensions yeah. and helping climate activists or everyday people who do the recycling but don't realise that their their pension might be undermining or or helping their good work. I think they've really raised awareness. That's amazing. That's really good. I guess I'd also look for so I think that definitely builds more trust in in the pension system. And I think it strengthens the relationship between the individual saver and the pension arrangement that money is going into. Um, it's an open question. Do you do you have any insights as to, to whether that's driving higher contribution rates, for example? Because I know that's a really important metric of, of ultimate outcomes from the pension. You know, Whether people get a decent amount of money to live on in retirement is largely dependent on how much they put in at the front end. Just well, on the trust point, I think there is some nest research that shows that since they've been talking more about responsible investment and how the nest goal is to deliver is to give their their members a bigger pension in a better world and they they're going to do that through responsible investment they're talking around responsible investment and bringing their work to life for members has really increased the trust that members feel towards their pension provider so there's the trust point but then to your question about does it does it actually result in people putting more money in which of course is what we really need dc savers to do 
I think the answer is it's yet to be seen. I mean, yeah. for me personally, with my story back at the beginning and, and, you know, all my colleagues and all the friends that I've spoken to about it, it has everyone's contributed more where they can. But I think there's much more to be done. And I think what needs to happen is that the industry needs to just get this story right. So the story you mentioned before, you know, all these different building blocks of starting from the very beginning of your, you know, your pensions invested. And here's what that actually means. I think if we can find a better and more compelling way to get that story across to people, then that is how we will get more people to put more money in. And I, I like very much believe that it can happen. We just haven't nailed the story yet because I do think that at the moment, the industry talks about pensions as something that's far away, something that's intangible, something that's hard to understand, something that's really passive. It's just your money disappearing and and something that because of all those things you, you have, you feel literally nothing about. You're completely apathetic to it. And, and of course, the industry is, well, auto-enrollment has, of course, worked because of inertia, et cetera, et cetera. But I do really think that talking about responsible investment, and by that I mean saying, you know, if you have a pension, you have power because you're investing in these companies and those companies can be doing great stuff around the world. They can be building a better future. I think that when we can start talking to people about that, you then break down all of those nasty barriers I was talking about before. So instead of your pension feeling like it's really far away, it's actually immediate because you're investing right now. You you know, you're helping, you're, you're investing in Netflix and people are watching Netflix right now. It's all very immediate. Probably shouldn't have used Netflix as an example. And instead <laughs> of being in has gone down quite a lot terrible. recently. Hasn't I know. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. And yes, it, it becomes tangible. It becomes... <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. I also feel like that's dangerous because of all the Elon Musk stuff. Let's go with you're investing in Clippers tea, tea bags. There we go. That's that's nice and safe. And they're a very uh, nice ethical company. But anyway, yeah, so instead of because all those barriers of it feeling far away, it being intangible, it being hard to understand and it feeling passive, all of those things, you've kind of broken them down when you start bringing people's investments to life. And because of that, they, people no longer feel apathetic. They actually they feel a connection to their money and that's never really happened before in pensions. And if we can get people to care, then we can get people to act and to contribute more. And that can unlock hundreds of billions of pounds. So there are some robust stats behind that if you need it, but um, it really can make a difference. We just need to nail that story. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I've been working with Chimelo and I've seen the work that they do. And that's, that's part of that same kind of equation of actually giving the members some agency and giving them a voice in what's happening with the money and and getting a feedback loop going so people can actually express their preferences and then get some feedback from the fund managers on on what they've been doing and, and as you get that sort of flow of information going back and forth it just keeps iteratively strengthening the relationship between the individual and their retirement savings and I mean the other point I make on this and you know I asked you a slightly unfair question which brought you like how's it working it's early days, right? This does take time. You've got to, this This is a process that probably takes a number of years before you really get to the point. I mean, there's people like you that just go, wow, I get it, and dive in. I think for a lot of people, it, it's, you know, you come back a second time and a third time. And and over over a period of time, you build a stronger relationship, but it might not happen immediately. Yeah, it's, it's not a once and done thing at all. I don't think any kind of helping people to understand any complicated subject like this like responsible investment or like pensions in general I don't think you can do in a once and done thing which is why I'm also intrigued to see what this engagement season this year will bring us if it's just one season does that mean we're expecting to you know everyone to understand everything they need to know in, in one season and if so then wow we've got a lot of work ahead of us well no so my understanding is the money that's been committed by the pension providers the million pounds that they've put up is to invest in not so much the communications itself, but in how to communicate. So it's about 
doing research and insights and really looking to the members of the ABI and the PLSA to actually go out and do the heavy lifting of the communications themselves. So that's that's not what the budget's for. The budget isn't to do the communicating. The budget is to research and understand and coordinate the communicating and get the DWP and the Money and Pension Service and the pensions industry all working together to deliver strong, coherent messages. They probably need to talk to you, Caroline, actually. They're just going to... <laughs> um, as yeah. well, I was going to say, you know, that sounds fantastic. You know, lots more than I do. I'd really just seen the headlines about it and thought, wow, intriguing, you know, mm-hmm. what's it going to look like? Um, uh, but it sounds good. It's good to hear that it sounds like the whole industry. Well, you know, people are working to bring stuff together because this does seem like an area where people do need to work Yeah, together. and I think the intention is that this will be an ongoing campaign. But if you want to know more, listen to the podcast I recently recorded with Rob Yule from the ABI because he does talk about it on that. So when, we, when you finish listening to this one, go back and have a listen to that one and you'll find out more about <laughs> it there. So um, I was also really struck by, so I agree with you, I think the engagement season is potentially really valuable and important, but you know, let's see how it plays out. And I like the fact the minister has pushed for this. He's been quite dogged in pushing the industry to, to focus on this. And yeah, I think it's in the industry's interest. So you know, I'm glad that we've all arrived on the same page with this. But something you highlighted to me as well was the, the scams and the risks that pose to people. And of course, the, the fraudsters, the scam businesses, individuals are often the ones who are very best at the engagement. They're really best at, they're really good at communicating with people, showing an interest in people's savings and their retirement and their future, and then they steal their money. And, and everything you've just described is a really good mitigation against that. It's a really good protection that if the, the legitimate businesses communicate well about the things people care about, then it makes it much harder for, for people to, to get have their money stolen, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. You know, a pension scheme, if you can build trust with your members and speak to them early on in their pension journey and become a trusted voice and someone they can understand and can feel, you know, this is like a, a board of trustees who are all brilliant humans looking after my pension money for me. If you can build a trusted relationship with that member, then you know, whenever they could potentially become a, a, a victim of a scam at tricky points, you know, when they're maybe thinking about what to do with their pension money, then, it, you know, it's not necessarily going to solve all the problems. But if you have already established a trusted voice, then the members can at least know, to, you know, to check with you before they maybe make a decision. Whereas, as it stands, a lot of the time, it's pension schemes don't necessarily communicate with their members that often, or they they might do it in you know complicated or a, a way that makes them feel kind of distant as opposed to a trusted voice. And then a scammer swoops in and sounds lovely and personable and tells members stuff about their pension that they never understood before and that they wanted to know and responds to them really quickly and uses lovely, relatable human words and offers to help members make tricky decisions and choose things whereas maybe their pension scheme had only ever said you know we can't give you advice we can only give you guidance but really we can only tell you x y and z and that's it and you'll have to go somewhere else for some help you know it's just if the the more you can work to establish yourself this a pension scheme as a trusted voice the more we can help protect members from those scammers that will swoop in do you do you think there's and it's an open question generally do you think the regulations restrictions on that communication and what schemes can and can't say to their customers and the, you know the, the advice boundary do you think do you think that's a problem or do you think it's actually perfectly possible to communicate with people effectively within the current rules framework i think it is perfectly possible yeah i mean i think the often schemes and lawyers of those schemes are 
so afraid of the regulation of, you know, potentially giving advice that they end up staying so far back from it that they don't really say anything useful at all. I think you can get much closer to the line without crossing it at all and and helping. So you can get close to the line and basically give your members more helpful guidance that's not advice. But it's just that often because people are so afraid of that, of crossing that line, they, they don't they don't go close to it at all. So yeah, it is perfectly possible, but not always done because people are too afraid. And I'd love to see people help members a bit more, especially when it comes to accumulation side, actually using their, their money. That's when we can afford to help members and give them much better guidance that's not advice. And I know a lot, There's there's been a lot of progression on that in the last couple of years, but I think there's still a lot further we can go. Okay, so so I mean, I think that, that this might be a good point to sort of bring it to a conclusion because we've talked about Make My Money Matter and Chumelo and businesses like that. We've talked a bit about what the DWP is doing and the sort of regulatory direction of travel. Do you think it is all going to happen? Do you think we're going to end up in a good place with all of this? Because it feels like there's a lot of good work going on. Having said that, we've also got a, a lot of inertia in the system. There's a lot that doesn't work. There's a lot of people who still aren't engaged with their pensions. Do you think we're going to get there, Caroline? Oof. I think we will. <laughs> I, I say that hopefully. I I think we will, but I think I think it will be helped by some more progressive thinking in the tech space. So, you know, like Tamello for everyone. I'm not on commission for them, but I sometimes feel like I should be because I tend to tell everyone that they should use them to help, you know, better better tech versions of helping people think about their money. But I also think more kind of pushes around, you know, portfolios member or mm. better help from the system to make pensions work properly for people, I think will also help us get there because I'm all for talking about responsible investment to help engage people and to help them care about their pension, to help them put more money in, because I do really believe that that can work. And I particularly believe that it, for instance, can have more of a chance of getting women engaged in their pension because broad brushstrokes, but they tend to care more about ESG issues, for instance. And if we can get as many women investing as men in the UK, then that's £100 billion that could be invested. But sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. So I do believe that talking about... Keep going. So... Basically, what I'm saying is talking about responsible investment, good for getting people to care about their pension, which is good for getting them to put more money in, which is good for their financial resilience and also great for the industry, of course, because they've got more money that they're managing. And if we can invest all that money responsibly, then, of course, it's also good for the for people and the planet because it will be more money invested today for the solutions that we need tomorrow. So I very much believe that this is the direction we need to go and go in. I think that through various engagement tech, we we will be able to get there. But, and this is the kind of brilliant counter argument that, that people often come up with, this is all very well, but why can't we just have a pension system that gives people brilliant outcomes without them having to do anything at all? <laughs> why can't we have a, a pension system that makes people contribute as much as they possibly can all the time and invest all that money absolutely brilliantly and impactfully without them having to do anything. And so helps them retire on a on a, a nice big pot in a in a lovely world that's reached 1.5 degrees. You know, <laughs> that's the dream. Why can't we just have a system that does that? Why can't we all as an industry look at the system that we operate in, challenge ourselves to all do more so that we, as the people who look after these members' money, are the ones who are making a system work for those members so that those members whose pot and planet we're kind of looking after, those members don't have to do anything because we're making it all work on their behalf. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. Do you think that would, so if, if I'm understanding this right, that's your ideal outcome. I mean, do you, do you want a world where people just don't have to think about it at all, where it all just happens for them? Or, or do you uh, think it needs to be a world where 
we make it possible for things for them to make it happen for themselves? I mean, it's really tricky. I guess if you look at behavioural science, then the the best way it will happen is if people don't have to do anything. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if we'll ever get to a world where that happens. So we're left with the next best, which is let's make it as easy as possible for people to do what they need to do to get the best outcomes for them. I think pragmatically, that's kind of where we're at now in the the world of generous state pensions and final salary schemes. And don't think about it, we'll just hand you a a lovely pension in another 40 years time. (laughs) That's disappeared over the horizon for a while. And then, you know, maybe maybe it'll come back again. And I think trustees, you know, there's a lot of professionalism there. And there's, you know, there's a lot of good stuff happening. But auto enrolment to DC pensions, pension freedom, relatively modest state pensions. The reality is for now, I think the agenda is much more about the stuff you talked about earlier on, about helping to engage people to to get to the right place themselves. And what can we do to help them get there rather than trying to just do it all for them? Yeah, absolutely. Caroline, it's been really good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your enthusiasm and for your insights. And yeah, thank you for coming along. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, then do please consider leaving a positive review and maybe even subscribing for future episodes. The sound engineer was Ross Burns. Thank you for listening.